Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people, and this week I am talking to the co-creator and the co-star of the Emmy-nominated web series, Her Story, Jen Richards. Um, she's delightful. I met her on an Outfest panel that I was moderating, and um, we just finished talking, and I could have talked to her all day. Fascinating stuff. And if you're an Emmy voter... Uh, check out her story online and vote for it because uh, it would be awesome if she won the Emmy. All right, um, before we get into that, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I'd love to encourage you to go to dennisanyone.net. Um, that's where I post pictures that go with the podcast. You can also see all the podcasts archived there, and you can donate to my virtual tip jar that helps me keep the podcast free and pay for some of the expenses that come up. I always really appreciate that. Um, you can also like Dennis Anyone on Facebook and write a review on iTunes. That always helps. Anything to keep us going and growing, I much, much appreciate. All right, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Jen Richards. All right, I am here in my condo in North Hollywood welcoming my fabulous guest, Jen Richards. Feeling very fabulous. Thank actor, you. writer, activist, uh, Emmy nominee. Emmy nominee, that's key. That's and At least for a few more weeks. For a few more weeks, it's amazing. <laughs> and then it's Emmy winner. Emmy winner, right? You are one of the stars and one of the writers, creators behind the web series Her Story. Mm-hmm. And you were just nominated for an Emmy. Yes. The show was. The show was nominated for Outstanding Short Form Comedy or Drama, which is a fancy way of saying Best Web Series. I know, because sometimes you don't even know what the Emmys cover anymore. <laughs> it's like every category. Did you even know you were up for an Emmy? We did, because we actually... So this was... It's a new category. Okay. And it's the first year, I believe, that shows that only exist on YouTube were eligible. Right. So we didn't... But when we made it, when it came out, we wouldn't have been eligible. It's only rules that changed this year that right. made us. So we had to submit ourselves. There's all these kinds of rules for eligibility. So we submitted ourselves, but I honestly didn't. I was genuinely surprised that we got it. I'm even more surprised after seeing the other nominees because we're the only independently produced. Who are the other category. nominees? They are all web complements to TV shows by studios. So wow. There's something... I haven't seen them yet, but like one is... Uh, it's related to Walking Dead. Okay. Uh, it's Unreal, The Auditions. Oh. Hack into Broad City. Right. And then uh, Comedy Central's Children's Hospital, which was a show and is now a web series. And then Us. And then Us. Do you go, is there a ceremony? Do you go? Yeah, it's at the Creative Arts. You know, okay. The, 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 the Shmemmies, as Kathy Griffin refers to it. What's she called? The Shmemmies. Shmemmies? Like I there's the, the Emmys and then one. the Shmemmies. I hear it's the more fun one, though. Right. Yeah, no, of course. It's a little bit more casual. Although this year they're breaking it up into two ceremonies because it has gotten... There's so, so many, right? Categories. So hopefully we're in the funner one, whichever of the two. Of course. Well, if you're in it, you will be the funner one. Yes. Do you know what you're going to wear? I, it's so bizarre to even think about that. Um, but yeah, I actually contacted a designer and she said she'd make something for me. That is awesome. In keeping with my ethos of like all trans people everywhere, right. I actually found a trans designer. That's she, amazing. Uh, Ari Sal, she's Hawaiian. She was on Project Runway back when she was a boy. Right. She transitioned and I met her in Hawaii at a friend's wedding. And so she'll she'll make a dress for me because I just think it'd be cool for like the show that I, that was made by and about trans yes. women, like walk in a dress. Well, and, and also they always ask you about what you're wearing and to have a story with it and a, and a history and a connection. If anyone asks us, yes. I don't know. It's like it's it's not the big prime time Emmy. It's so. gonna be blast though. I'm excited. What if you get super drunk and make a scene well, like that? Then people will remember you. That's true. Um, I am sober, so that's right. not a risk. So it's not gonna happen. <laughs> but I'll be there with Angelica Ross, who doesn't need a drink right. to make a scene. She 
she's your co-star and co-creator. She's a co-star. You guys she's not the creator. She's the co-star. But co-star. She, and you, did you write it together? Who uh, wrote it Laura. with you? Laura. Laura Zapp was my co-writer. Okay, and Angelica is the, plays Paige. Plays Paige, American. Yeah. Okay, Who gotcha. was my roommate at the time that I was writing it. Oh, wow. We lived together in Chicago, so we've been close friends for years. That's fantastic. Yeah, so the part was... I mean, she's not technically a creator, but it's very much based on her, and right. it's her voice very, very much. Right. And That's, she's just, like, brilliant. Now, I met you at an Outfest panel, and we talked a little bit about this web project, but my understanding of it is that it started kind of like a small-scale thing, mm-hmm. and then some forces came together, and before you know it, you had a bigger budget, you had a bigger yeah. director, you were in L.A. Yeah. Uh, was, t- talk to me about the origins of it. The origin was that Laura Zach, who's the co-star and co-writer, right. had a web series on a website in Chicago called Tello that does lesbian-created, lesbian-themed web series. They have their own little paywall. It's like a little Netflix for for lesbians. And I had a cameo in her web series. She had written in a part for a transsexual waitress who her character flirts with. I think I was the only trans woman people knew. So In Chicago? Yeah. (laughs) Because you had a bit of a following there from your activism and Yes, I was pretty visible. I was probably arguably the most visible trans woman in Chicago, um, along with Angelica and a few others. And so they asked me to do the part, and Laura and I met on camera. Our meet cute has been captured for, That's for nice. Pastry, which is great. And I just really, I kind of, we just hit it off. We had some similar backgrounds, um, and I kind of developed a crush on her. And since I am totally inept when it comes to flirting or anything like that, right. uh, I thought the best way to, to get to know her was to ask to work with her. <laughs> so uh, Tello had asked if I would write a web series for them. Right. Uh, but their one caveat was that it had to be lesbian themed because their whole website is. And I'm not actually a lesbian. I wasn't from that community. So I wanted to work with someone who was. And so Laura seemed like a good right. fit. And I really liked her and wanted to spend more time with her. When did she find out you had a crush on her? Uh, you know, did I, you ever? Right now? No. No, no, no. It, it's come up in interviews. I think right. we kind of danced around it for a right. long time. Did she have a crush on you? It turned out it was happens, mutual. It that's was what mutual. happens in the, in the web series. True. Yeah, exactly. It did when, turn out it was mutual. But we, we sublimated. We quickly found that we were best as collaborators and friends. Right. Yeah, it's just natural. We're, bo- we're also both like I'm a triple Aquarius and she's a double Aquarius so we're both like very cold <laughs> right <We laughs> when it comes to like cold, intimate- but- well I mean when it comes to like real emotional right. intimacy there's not a lot there <laughs> right 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 you need somebody that yeah 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 exactly so we, we work really really well yeah. together and, and we're like just two halves of the same brain it's been really wonderful but anyway um, but we eventually had a separation from that original producer right uh, just just a difference of vision for the sure. series and uh, a friend of Laura's out here in L.A. had read the script. She was forming her own production company. She loved it. She said she'd like to make it. Her only caveat was that we'd have to make it in L.A. rather than Chicago. Right. Because that's where her connections were. So we came out, and all of a sudden she started, you know, gathering resources. And I, I show up on set, and what was supposed to be, you know, originally like a 2000 It's going to be you on your iPhone Yeah, basically. Basically, with like a few you know, four friends. Right. Instead of, I, mean, I walk into a film set with, you know, a, a director whose first film was at Sundance. And this right. amazing cinematographer who worked on The Dark Knight. And it was just like, it was insane. <laughs> what, what did she tell you sparked her interest. She liked the script, obviously. Yeah, it was the script. What was it that made her... Because that's... That, talk about putting your money where your mouth is. You know, and it's been so wonderful to me because I, you know, like any other artist, I'm crippled with self-doubt and anxiety and this, you know, reckless need to prove myself uh, in spite of all evidence that I have any talent. Um, <laughs> and all these people, would they put their money 
up front. They put they they reduce their rates to work on it. They change their schedules to work on this. Like Kate put up her own money and helped raise money. Kate is the producer. Kate is the producer. Kate What's Fisher. the last name? Kate, Kate Fisher. Fisher. Okay. Her uh, production company is Speed of Joy. She's fantastic. She also produced the Tegan and Sarah music video that came out recently with all the trans and gender non-conforming kids. Lip Love it. And it's really wonderful. She's fantastic. Um, but yeah, she. Everyone said they came because of the script. They said it just it was something original. It was a story they had never heard before. It right. had authenticity to it, and it just was really exciting to them. And they could relate to it, even if they weren't yeah. trans. I loved it, and I thought the acting was good, the writing was good, and I, I, and it had that soapy thing where you're like, I want to see what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> like it didn't. It it dealt with a lot of issues, but you never felt like it was medicine. They just came up organically and in really interesting conflicts of character. It was gray and murky, mm-hmm. and it had humor. Yeah. It didn't take itself so seriously. I congrats. Thank I think you. it's. I think it's just like terrific. I'm, I hope I'm you win. Very... I hope you beat the Walking Dead and the Unreals and all of that stuff. It would be such a win for yeah. independent creators, right? To, to win something like this. I think we'd be the first YouTube show to win an Emmy. Um, I think that's really special. That would be amazing because it shows that there is an entry point. Because we've been talking about the rise of independent media and people right. can make their own content. And there's been a few modest successes with like something like High Maintenance or Broad City getting picked up, right? But uh, there's still a long way to go. And this uh, this would prove there's still a people, big wall there between absolutely. like that and real show business or yeah. Money TV or whatever, yeah. And, I, and I'm hoping that it'll send Hollywood looking yeah. in our direction. You know, because we actually, have, we have a treatment for a fuller version, for a full right. ten episodes, you know, half hour, hour long episodes. So well, we I hope you get to make story. it. Me too. I found it, I found it fascinating and, and um, enlightening. Um, and I loved how you got certain things that probably come up again and again in your life and in your work stuff about your hands and your voice yeah. how you get those little moments in in the organic conversations you never feel like somebody has something that they're hammering home they just want to tell these people's they just want to like honor these people's story yeah well that's the advantage of having experienced all that myself and right and having lived with and worked with and collaborated and talked with so many trans people right. know, across the spectrum across the world for the last you know five years of my activism is that all these stories are inside me and I've experienced a lot of them myself and so it can come out in a very nuanced organic way yeah and it's so well done and um your performance is terrific. Thank have you. you have you acted a lot? Oh yeah, I was. I'm a trained actor. Right. It's one of those things. It was one of the many things that I gave up with transition. Right. I thought, okay, just you know, I've been putting off transition for years, I and mean, that's a whole long story on itself. But when I finally said, okay, I, I have to do this, you know, I, I, one of the things I thought, well, I guess I'll never act again. Right. You know, because this was five years ago. There was no. It wouldn't even occur to me that I could. Yeah, act yeah, again. yeah. And I sure as hell wasn't going to go out for female roles. That would have terrified me. Right. Um. So I never dreamed that, that I could eventually get back into acting. Angelica was the same way because she used to. Um, Angelica transitioned earlier than I did, so she had years where she was stealth, where she would take acting roles, and no one would know she was trans. But she was self conscious because of it. She of was course. always afraid the camera would catch something. You she know, you're trying see. to. Your job as an actor is to tell the truth and to be emotionally present. Yes. How can you be that if you're worried that the camera's going to get you from the wrong angle and reveal something? I think the same thing sometimes about closeted actors. Yeah, exactly. Um, afraid, you know, to the, the wrist or something. Feel like there's something you feel like they're you know you you feel for them like you feel like i don't know not always but it depends on the part and all of that but there have been performances where it's like oh you you just want them to feel free exactly. you need to feel free i think if you're gonna act and i and i think this is why there's a political argument against having cis people play trans parts you know like right. Leto and eddie redmayne and jeffrey tambor that's separate and then there's also an aesthetic argument and and 
the aesthetic argument is that trans people do have internal resources, you know, experiences that they can rely on to bring a level of, of nuance and authenticity to a performance that no matter how gifted someone like Eddie Redmayne is... And how or no, he, and no many, how many times he meets somebody, or how many notes he yeah, takes, exactly. or how many books he reads. Exactly. It's not going to be the same. Right. Right. Um, what do you think of the moment we're in now? It feels like there's a lot more visibility, a lot oh, more yeah. of these stories. You've probably been asked about it a bunch, mm-hmm. and... and and um, what's what's it like? It's been surreal. It came quicker and became bigger than any of us expected. I mean, a lot of us had been working behind the scenes to make this moment for years. Right. Um, you know, Laverne and Laverne Cox and Janet Mock, Angelica Ross, myself, Teak Milan, Gina Rosero. There, a lot of us have been on the scene doing media advocacy, pushing for better representation. Right. Um, it was Caitlin that changed everything. I mean, it was Laverne, Caitlin that changed everything. Yeah, it really was because it just it it made it a national conversation. I can't tell you how many times everyone it, had to have an opinion about Kevin. Ev- and, and everyone, everyone was ready to offer it, and they were offer it. <laughs> but it was something where you had to you had to uh, think about it or consider mm-hmm. it at least, and then have a thought about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't tell you how many times I'd get into conversation with you know Lyft drivers or right. people like it would just come up, even if they didn't know I was trans or if they right. didn't know she was a friend of mine. That was like what was everyone was up. talking about. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was exactly. In, it just brought the conversation. It just escalated it so much. Uh, and luckily, you know, those of us who had already been working in this world were kind of ready. We you were, were ready. ready you were ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you appeared on the first season of I Am Kate, and mm-hmm. I saw you on that, and I was very impressed with you. Thank you. Was it fun? Was it interesting? It was super fun, actually. You know, very, very little of what we shot you know, right. shows up on the screen. That's the kind of nature of reality television about, you know, you, you'll shoot a 12-hour day, and it'll be two minutes on air. Um, right. But most of it was a lot of fun. You know, I was hanging out with my girlfriends. Now, you knew most of the other people there. I knew, yes. Yeah, I, I... Well, that's not actually true. I was close... I'm close friends with, with Zachary, uh, who, who's been on the, both seasons, um, I, did, I hadn't met Candace, but was a fan of hers. Right. Um, and I hadn't met Shandy. Uh, and then I knew Drian, who was in some of the episodes as well. Uh, Caitlin I'd only spoken with on the phone, so uh, I didn't meet her until I showed up at her house for that first dinner. That's The that first dinner. And the idea was, you know, Caitlin's now part of this community, but she doesn't really mm-hmm. know the community. Right. Or, and, and has a lot to learn and to and to connect. And, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting to, under the... the um, the umbrella of a reality show to try to create these kinds of uh, relationships, connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to do. It is, and to their credit, I mean, I, I have my own you know feelings about the show that are a little bit mixed. I was actually edited out of, of season one and, and not asked back for season two. Um, so I have my own issues with the show, and, and the, but for the most part, um, I'll give them credit because they didn't they didn't really craft the situation so much. They just said, okay, we're going to take you all, to, you know, go motor, motorbiking. Uh, and then they just let it roll. They just let us have Right, so they created situations, but they weren't saying, like, you're going to be mad at Candace, and you're going to... Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they didn't need to, because we have so much drama in our... Real drama right. in our lives that would come to bear. Uh, so that was, it was kind of refreshing. And, and I was thrilled to see all those girls on TV. You know, they're, they're really great people. It was cast well. I mean, I, those are all really kind, genuine people who are doing good work in the community. And it, and it a, came across. I really yeah, enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. What's your favorite interaction with Caitlin on camera or off? Uh, 
I think, well, it's been pointed out to me by others as a favorite, and it, it, so I, th- I think it's kind of funny. I had never seen Keeping Up with the Kardashians, right. and so I didn't know about all of them. Right. Uh, and Caitlin makes references to them quite often that go over my head. Right. And so that would sometimes come up in the show, and, and they caught one of them on camera where I'm helping Caitlin pick out a bathing suit, and she goes, oh, this is one my daughter, you know, Kim would pick out, if you know what I mean. I'm just like, I know. I don't know I what you know, mean. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and right, she right. like, explained to me what she meant. So those are always clever. Um, for me, the most fun, though, was introducing uh, Kate Bornstein to Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, and making um, that connection. Yeah, I mean, Kate's my, my trans mama. And, right. you know, she called me her daughter before my own mother did. And she was in town at an event in L.A., and I came by, and I just... And she's the type, you know, after an event, she sits around and, like, talks to everyone. She will sit there and hold right. space with everyone who, like, wants to pour out their personal story to her. Right. I pulled her aside and said, I need you to leave with me right now and just trust me. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and I pulled her aside and like, I need to introduce you to Caitlyn Jenner. And she's like, great. And she just kind of rolled with it. And I brought her over to, Caitlyn was at Candace's house. and So, wow. Sat them down on the couch. and they, they This was off ride. camera. Well, they caught some of it. It's they caught some season of it, one. yeah. And then they eventually brought Kate back for season two. Now explain Kate Bords- Borste- Bornstein. Well, Kate Bornstein is, I mean, she's a queer icon. Right. Uh, she's been on the scene for a couple decades. She is... Really kind of brilliant, iconoclastic. Uh, she has a very clear message. Uh, in a lot of ways, she is on the opposite... Within the realm of, like, 65-year-old w- white trans women, right. <laughs> she's on the opposite end of that spectrum in that uh, Caitlyn is all about assimilation, want to make everyone feel comfortable, want to right. blend in. And Kate Bornstein is like, listen, I'm a freak. Everyone's always going to see me as a freak, and I embrace that. Right. And I, I love people for who they are. Right. And so it was really neat to see these two women have that conversation with each other. Right. One of the things I loved about her story is it had a real sense of humor, and I can't remember the exact scene. I think it was with you and, and the other lead. Mm-hmm. And she says something, and you make a face like, oh, no, you said the wrong Free- thing. She, she goes, oh, freezing my balls off. <laughs> and you made, a look, you made a look like you were offended. Yes. And then you break and yeah. just say you're just giving her a hard time. <laughs> but I do think that even, even on, um, around well-meaning people, there's a lot of, like, uh, misconceptions or oh, yeah. I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. And I think mm-hmm. what's so great about your work is you, you kind of make people feel safe in their... You know, and they're questioning, and they're yeah. in there and stuff like that. Because I don't, you think that's important? It is absolutely important because that's the only way the conversation can move forward. Uh, I just did a screening of her story in a Q and A in North Carolina, just miles. Oh where, wow! Because yeah, that's where my family. That's is. like ground zero. Of it the, is. Oh my gosh! And your family's in North Carolina. That's where I go for the holidays. Oh brother! Yeah. What was it like when that law passed? It shocked me. I mean, I've been like I'd never had any issues in North Carolina. I was, right. I've, and my brother was in the state house the day that they passed it. You know, he was texting me the whole day. And you're close with your family. Yeah, I am. Yeah, and they're hugely supportive. I go to church with my mom. All of her neighbors know about me. Like there was, I've never had an issue. That's incredible. And then, and then when this happened, I was just, I was. <laughs> Enzo the Wonder Dog is on the couch with us. Chewing my fingers. Uh. <laughs> um, I was shocked, and it really, I took it personally. You of know, course, it, what, it how couldn't you? And it's still like, when I when I flew is, down Is there, the law still in effect? What's the, oh, absolutely. Yeah, Technically, okay. I'm supposed to use the men's room in the airport when I arrive in North Carolina. Oh my God. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, there's the... And for those of you who are only hearing my voice, I don't look like a man at all. No. <laughs> and, but there's the, there's the political and the personal and the... The, the, the justice version but then there's also the practical like you get off the plane mm-hmm. you need to go and you're like fuck yeah I don't know what I don't feel safe I feel like, like that's that 
Well, and I have the privilege because no one reads me as, for the most part, I just read as a woman and no one reads me as trans, so I can use the woman's room without issue, but I was still aware of it. Right. Technically, I'm breaking the law right now for using a women's room. It's insane. Right. So So anyway, so we had a screening there just miles from it. That's amazing. And uh, there was a lesbian in attendance who said, you know, thank you for letting a character speak her objections to trans women being in a woman's shelter. Yeah, um, I thought like, that was really interesting. It's like, one of the subplots of the yeah, show. Yeah, and I and I wanted to make that argument real. I don't want to just demonize people who are against me. Like right. they're coming from a real place, and I want to understand. As an artist, like I feel compelled to understand that, even if it's damning of me, right? Uh, and know where that's coming from. And the, but that's the only way the conversation can move forward. The way right. that things are, like right now, like particularly on social media, a position is is kind of seen as right or wrong. If you say the wrong thing, you're shouted down and shunned. Yeah, and, and you're and, and by hundreds of thousands of people online, you know. And the fact is is that there's a lot of nuance to these conversations that gets ignored. Like, I am a woman. Like, it's taken me years to be able to say that, but I can now, and I, and I believe that. But my experiences aren't the same as cis women. Right. And in that, whereas I think a lot of, of activists want to just eliminate that difference and just be like, you can't talk about difference. Right. We all, we're all have to pl- we all have to pretend that it's the same. Exactly. Right. But as an if artist, we're going like, to move forward politically, yeah. if we're going to have rules and as an artist, right. I want to explore those differences. Right. That's really fascinating to me. If we get to do a full version of her story and we have a treatment for a full season of it, that's there's a scene that I'm really excited to do where Allie and Violet sit down and just like they ask each other questions that they could, they felt like they could never ask. Like Violet asks questions about lesbians, and, right. and, and Allie asks questions about trans women. Right. That, that they would be scared to ask normally, and I think that would be so important for an audience. Like, oh god, I've always wondered that. You know. Right. Well, I, as an, I'm speaking for myself and watching it, because there's obviously there's a difference between gender identity and sexual desire or whatever mm-hmm. but your character is with a man in, in the piece but also is attracted to this woman mm-hmm. so there's a lot and, and is that is that typical of trans people or is that just your story or like it's all of these things and I love that that um, your show explores all that stuff with, without it feeling like issues it just feels like it just feels like grounded people interacting yeah. And, 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 and that's great. That was intentional too. Part of what Laura and I wanted to do with Violet and Allie's relationship specifically is we wanted to take a lot of these arguments that emerge in women's circles that that say that trans women don't belong and right. the trans women responses and put them inside the heads of these two characters and then have the characters have such undeniable chemistry that we implicate the audience in telling them to get over it. It's like the audience... Right, you want like, everyone to get over exactly. everything. Just kiss already. Just like, kiss who her. cares about those issues? So we're kind of like tricking them into like in getting them in, on board. In, a, <laughs> in using tropes, not tropes, using the tradition of like dramatic storytelling on television. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It feels soapy. Like the end of an episode, you're like, oh, that's a fucking <laughs> moment. Or it's like, oh, she's walking over, she's going to kiss her. Yeah. Or, or um, Paige, the character of Paige, has this really sassy fuck you moment. Yes. And it's so delicious. It's like right out of scandal. So it kind of <laughs> gives us this new stuff in this package that we've, that we've grown to love in a really beautifully uh, shot and class production values and and it's just just great and I I think a lot of it has to do with that the core team Kate our producer Laura myself and Angelica all we all started off in entertainment when we were kids like we all want like we're in theater right we had that aspiration and then all of us went into social justice work advocacy work right for like a decade 
and then have come back around to do entertainment. To, to do Let's Put On A Show. Exactly. So we have that, we have that artistic impulse, but we also have this, this really grounded intersectional analysis right. uh, that, that and we've done the practical work and we've been engaged in these stories. So it comes up in a natural way. You know, we're right. not hammering down a point, but it's part of our lived experiences. Right. It, it feels very uh, uh, authentic and... and um like oh they know what they're they know they've lived this they've seen it they've yes. they've, they've experienced it yes and the the male character that your character lives with you get the feeling that he's controlling and domineering but you also give him more dimension and and your character's relationship to him isn't all black and white yes like he was somebody that helped you in a lot of ways but he's also not that good for you at this yeah. point. like it wasn't cookie cutter mm-hmm. stock asshole. Guy. Yeah, and I mean the fact is is that I mean I'll spoiler alert in case people haven't seen it, um, you know turn away your ears now. But she, you know, she gets assaulted by him, you know, several times over the course of their relationship, and yet she sticks with him and she defends him, and that's that's true. I mean a lot of women will defend you know the, the men who assault them, and, and it's never as clear as it seems to someone outside of the relationship. Right, it's never as easy as get the fuck out. Yeah. There's a longer version of the monologue that we actually shot where she tells the story in more detail. And what she says is that, you know, she had um, lo- she had lost her job after she transitioned. Right. You know, it became redundant all of a sudden. Right. And uh, she didn't know what else to do. And she had other friends who were escorts. So she right. turned to escorting. And that led to, to drugs, uh, which led to her getting a little out of control. And she eventually lost her home um, and, you know, was broke and, and homeless. And Mark was a client of hers, a regular, you know, basically mm-hmm. like gave her a place to live. And right. said, like, hey, you can come and stay Was with there me. for her when she needed somebody. Yeah, but you, and you have to go into NA. You have to get clean. Right. And, like, so that, it kind of saved her, you know. Right. And, and that's real. But, you know, he's still, in, in her mind, he's a client. Right. In his mind, it's something more than that. And right. that's where the conflict is. Right. And she's developing feelings for this other person. Yes, which threatens him and right. makes her realize that, you know, she kind of put this... I think what it what is she had put aside her attraction to women because she felt like it undercut her identity as a trans woman. Right. You know, it's like it's it's hard enough to be a trans woman to like also be attracted to another woman on top of it. Like, right. Makes her feel like a straight guy rather. Right. Than a woman. Right. It go- goes against what she's shooting for. And yeah, that's just heteronormativity in our culture. Right. You know, We're, it's easier to be a woman if you're attracted to men. <laughs> There's a wonderful moment with Paige's character. And she starts seeing this really handsome guy mm-hmm. who doesn't know she's trans. Right. And then finds out. And then he reveals something about himself to her. It's my favorite moment. And I love it so much. And I don't know why. I, I feel a little... It's something, a vulnerability that he has. A weakness that he has. Uh, I don't want to give it away. But it's something that he feels shame about. That he... And, and I find it... I was so touched by it and moved by it. And I didn't know if it would... If there was something wrong for me for feeling that way, no, meaning, no, that's in other words, what she's got isn't isn't. I don't know. No, that, I don't know that, what I'm trying to say. I, I, we're I think dancing I do. all around <laughs> this revolution. Well, revolution. I mean, I don't have to say exactly what it is, but the point is, is he discloses some. So when he, when he finds out she's trans and says, "You should have told me," she's like, "You know, I don't know if that's true." I like, "I don't know if I should have told you." And then he admits something of of his own, a, an issue that could be an issue in a relationship. Absolutely. And that's the point is he's trying to understand. He's like, "Oh, it's like he's he's trying to empathize." He's like, "Yeah, there's stuff I like." We all have, have that yeah. thing about ourselves that we're afraid of. Other people knew. They wouldn't love us. And to me, that's the most important line in the entire story. Like, literally, because what it is, up till now, whenever we've seen the issue of disclosure in media and news stories, it's a trans woman tricked a man, and therefore right. her death is justified. You know, right. him assaulting her, killing her, 
whatever is justified because, oh, well, she tricked him. And what I'm turning that on their head and saying, like, no, we all have disclosures. It's just bias that says a trans woman has to disclose her status first, you know. Right. There's a line that got cut that I that I always loved where, where she says, they don't have to disclose to us that they're assholes. That's right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they should have. There should be some kind of asshole disclosure. Yeah, we all have disclosures. And, and who's to say, like, yeah. which one? Who should say what when? Now, what I also love is that you found a director who was trans, but you didn't know. We didn't know. <laughs> she was trans until when? Well into our conversation. We... We had originally wanted a trans director as part of the ethos, but there's not many out there, frankly. Right. Um, so we, we couldn't find one that would work. Uh, you know, the Wachowskis were a little out of our budget. Sure. Um, and it's both now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. And the, they're, they're, they're friends of mine. I, I love Lily to, to pieces, and I've known the family for a long time in Chicago, uh, and they've been big supporters, and they're wonderful. Um, so we expanded our search to, we were looking for women of color, queer women, ideally a queer woman of color. Right. And uh, three popped up, three queer women of color uh, that we thought, we, whose work we wanted to look at, and Sydney was one of those three. Uh, we just knew her as a Navajo lesbian. That's, right. That's, that's what we knew of her, or a Navajo trans, uh, no, sorry, as a queer Navajo woman is how... And she directed Drunk Town's Finest, Drunk Town's Finest. which was a big Sundance hit, and I've been yeah. trying to see it. It's, it's on, on iTunes, my, it is, but it's not uh, on Netflix, you have yeah, to buy it. It's on, oh yeah, but you okay. can rent it. On, okay, um, it's really good. It's about you know, it's it's three hundred twenty stories on a on a Navajo reservation. I grew up in northern Arizona, so oh, okay. Navajos went to my school. Great. It was a big part of my. It's a good movie environment. And one of the stories, one of the three characters, is a trans woman, and they right. and they actually had a trans woman play it. So for us, that was just like, oh, so she gets it. Like, okay, so she gets trans issues a little bit. She's right. worked with a trans actor. She casts a trans person, so that's good. Right. So she she emerged at the top of our list. We met with her. We were probably a good half hour into a conversation. It was, uh, there was, I think, eight of us. It was like Sydney and like seven people from the team. And we're deep into the conversation. And I make some passing trans reference and then explain it to Sydney. Right. As if she wouldn't know. And, and Sydney just kind of nods it and looks at me funny, but I didn't catch it. Right. And then, like, a few minutes later, she just stops the conversation. She goes, I'm, hold on a second. I'm sorry. She's like, do you guys know my background? And we're like, well, yeah, yeah, you're a filmmaker, blah, blah. She goes, no. She goes, no, um, I, I'm trans. And we're like, what? None of us had known. Turns out even the actress she'd worked with on the film had never known that Sydney was trans. In fact, uh, when Sydney finally started talking about it in the press, which she hadn't started doing until about a week before we met her. Right. The actress had contacted her on Facebook and said, "Girl, people are spreading lies about you. They, they're saying you're wow, a trans woman." Think, wow! <laughs> um, and it wasn't that Sydney was like stealth or anything. She just didn't talk about it. You know, she transitioned a long time ago. It just didn't come up. Right. She doesn't read as trans. She just kind of reads as like a like right. a, a geeky queer woman. You know. <laughs> Is there a? That's it's great that you found her and she did an amazing mm-hmm. job of this. Is there a dynamic between? people that read as trans and people that don't is there you know what I mean is there oh yeah that's a big division. weird uh, yeah it's tough of course, right of course. well because it's a very different experience right absolutely uh, and I mean I can empathize because I'd say for the first well, certainly for the first year maybe first two years of my transition I would be read as trans in public and it's I mean it was, it was awful I mean I would be chased threatened spit at laughed at no one would intervene people would make vomiting noises at me and I transitioned in Chicago, like on public yeah, transportation a, a, every day. It was it was it was it was hell. It was really it was like a gauntlet of hell every single day. And it makes you so defensive. 
all the time. Your guard is always up. Like, you, you're just, like, always ready for battle. And you're constantly having to clack every situation. Like, okay, who's here? Who's, who's interested? Like, who's just curious about me? Who's mocking me? Who's disgusted by who's me? Who sort of smiled a little bit, but maybe <laughs> they'll call the police when right. happens. Um, and, you, like, you especially tune into disgust because that can turn into violence. Right. So it's, like, it's just this constant thing on you. You, you know, you can, you're more likely to get harassed in bathrooms. You're more likely to get fired from a job or not get hired at his job. Right. I mean, it impacts every aspect of your life. For those of us who don't get read as trans, it's a different situation. There's still issues. Um, I get I get hit on a lot by men in public, you know, catcalled, sexually harassed, followed, propositioned, and I'm always afraid that it's going to, tw- like, something will shift in them once they realize, like, right. oh, if they, like, you know... Right, because they they have already expressed desire. Exactly. And, and if, then if, if they find that out, oh, what does that mean about me? I was like, does that... And then they want to prove to me that they're not a faggot. Right. <laughs> and oh, God. So it's really loaded. And, of course, you know, um, I, I often meet men in public that I'm attracted to and vice versa, and they ask me out, and I have to go through everything that Paige goes through. Like, do I... Do you tell or not? Do I tell or not? When do I tell? When is it appropriate? And it's a really complicated issue, and there's no clean answer. And, you know, in my experience so far, no man I've ever met who didn't know I was trans was okay with it after I told them. No man that you've... Okay. <laughs> I have to... <laughs> it, unpack it every time I've met a man in public... Right. They, and they don't know I'm trans. And right. And we've gone out. Once they find out, they, they lose interest. Wow. Not, not a single one has ever stuck around. Wow. The men who already know I'm trans, like they meet me online or they see me in something... Right. Or like at a trans club, they're only interested in sex. They're not interested in, like, dating me openly. Wow. So it's, it's a tough it's place. It's tough. What about L.A.? Is it different? The same? Worse? Um, flakier? You know, I honestly haven't tried dating yet. All right. <laughs> I've been kind of... I've just been kind of... Just, I've focused on work. Right. Uh, yeah, dating... I mean, dating's hard for any woman. Right. Particularly an older woman like me, and particularly the... You seem things. very youthful to me. Well, I'm, but I'm not. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's tough for anyone. I mean, and I think it's a lot harder for Angelica because like she's gorgeous and right. like, no one would ever know she was trans. I sometimes still is get she, like, Is she based here or does she still in She just Chicago? moved here recently. Oh wow, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's really cool. It seems like you there's a good community of people. That Absolutely. You feel like you have a good community Absolutely, of, I do. of creative mm-hmm. friends, trans people, trans Yeah, it's um, oh, I'd say, well not only trans but also just like queer women. Um, right. Women in general. I have a lot of them. Like all the folks from her story and the people we've met. Uh, it's been great. I mean, I, I sometimes joke that like we're, we're like the worst version. We're the most boring version of like a Real Housewives kind of scene right. because like we all just support each other. <laughs> right. There's no cap. No one throws a table. You never. No. Throw the table. No. It's just like, oh, let me help you with that. Can I appear in this? Do you need to fit? You like? Can yeah, I do this? I'll like, do sound. I'll yeah. Hold them up. I'll we just them. all want to help each other. But I really feel like there's a, a revolution happening because there's so many really brilliant people who aren't straight white men, basically, who are making their own content and they're making it from this place that's grounded in and in, in a nuanced intersectional analysis. And we um, we want to tell stories that haven't been told, right? And we want to do it in a way that honors marginalized voices, and it extends to our off-camera behavior too—the kind of antics that straight white men have gotten away with for forever. You right. know, with like you know, like a Christian Bale who can be like a total asshole, but it's okay because he's a great actor. Right? Like, doesn't fly for the rest of us. Like, we have to kind of be like ultra charming everywhere we go. We have to always be, you know, you can't fuck up. We can't fuck up. Um, but it creates a a really good attitude amongst each other. Like we all just kind of like we're kind and we're, right. we're collaborative and we work together and we want to lift each other up. Does the the awareness you're talking about being public and the awareness of when you were transitioning all that? But does the 
the awareness of, okay, what's the media saying? What are they saying on social media? Does it get exhausting? Do you know had, what I'm asking? Yeah, I've had to. I had to dial back. I actually um, You're like I cannot take on all this stuff. No, I I got off Facebook. I right, my Facebook profile. Um, I started. I kind of became a recluse about a year or two ago. I was having health issues. Um, I was wiped out from the activism I'd done for years. All the infighting, the, the constant monitoring of conversations, right. trying to hit all the social justice checklists. Right. Did, yeah. Did we leave anyone out? Who, you yeah. Know. Exactly. Making sure that everything was exactly right all the time, and still getting shit for whatever you don't do. <laughs> right. Not even what you do do, but what you don't do. Um, it became exhausting, and I kind of just said, you know what? Like, I just want to, like, hole up and write. Yeah. And, like, show up on set, act, like, go off and write, and, like, have my circle get smaller. Right. So you had a moment where you're like, I, I, I gotta step back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I do, I do. And I don't think I'll ever do the work, the kind of work that I used to do. Right. You know, where you, uh, you were involved in something called the Trans 100. Yeah, yeah, I created a, a project called the Trans 100 about four years ago, three or four years ago. Um, it ran for three years. It was an annual list of 100 out trans activists each year. And right. I would produce a live event uh, where we would announce the names. It was like the Out 100 or the basically, power list of yeah. Premier Magazine or whatever. But this was, you know, this was before Orange is the New Black, before yes. Kaylin, before anything. And, and it was wonderful because we would, it was celebratory. You know, rather than just reading the names of the dead each year like we do at Transgender Day of Remembrance, we were reading the names of living trans people who were out and doing incredible work. And right. it was an all trans staff. Uh, you know, we had these amazing speakers and um, musicians, and it was and didn't wonderful. the White House reach out to you? Yes, yeah, the White House reached out to me. They uh, they actually used the list as a resource um, in order to identify uh, people in the community who were who needed support, um, in order to identify the issues that were relevant. Uh, and just kind of get a sense of the scene, uh, which was... Did you go to the White House? I did, yeah. I was invited to the White did House. Did you meet the president? Uh, I didn't. I uh, came close to shaking his hand, um, but I was with uh, my friend Janet Mock. She she went to the White House right, with me. Right, of course. And uh, I, we kind of... We arranged for her to shake his hand. Awesome. <laughs> so you saw him, though? Yeah. You were in yeah. the room? No, and... he, and, he, and Joseph, uh, he and Vice President Biden were both there. Nice. They are both... Did they speak or did they listen? They both spoke. About um, trans issues. Well, this was actually one of the pride receptions. Oh, awesome. Um, so there was sort of more of a whole thing. Yeah, exactly. So it was a little bit bigger. Um, so that, But they both spoke to the crowd and it was it was really wonderful. What was it like? It was surreal. You know, again, this was a while ago. So it right. really felt like, oh my God, we're being acknowledged by... We're, you know, we're here. We're in the White We're House. in the room. It was astonishing. It was really... It was it was changing, life-changing. You know, just a sense of like, oh, our issues are starting to matter and people are starting to listen. Where were you in the White House? What's it like? Is it bigger than you think or smaller? No, it's smaller because it just feels kind of yeah. organic. Like it's right. just a place, you know? Right. <laughs> so it was cool. Like I, I posed in my, my mom's favorite photo of me now is me posing in front of the portrait of Jackie Kennedy. At the White House. <laughs> At the White House. That's kind of an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah. And actually the dress that I wear was actually called the Jackie O. <laughs> I want to see that picture. Is I'll it online? It it's on Okay. Instagram. Awesome. I want to yeah. see that. That's amazing. Yeah. It was special. It was special. And Angelica has been back a couple times since. And she actually met the president directly and like had a portrait with him. A picture with him. Uh, so yeah, most most of the, most of my trans friends have been invited to the White House over the last few years. That's so cool. It's amazing to yeah. be there. Yeah, and and a president that really listens. Angelica right. introduced uh, Hillary uh, at a, at an event recently, and and uh, you know there was a trans woman who spoke at the Democratic convention this year. I, I can't believe how much has changed in the last few years. It's astonishing. It's so great, and, and you're it, a part of it. You no, know, no, I am. I mean, we're we're all a part of it, and it's neat because there's an awareness. Like we're. 
Angelica, Laverne, Janet, myself, we're all aware that we're part of this moment. And, you know, occasionally we'll kind of sit back and say, wow, it's happening. Like I just read an, an interview with Laverne Cox about Rocky Horror. Yes, it I'm was so a, excited. It was a great Q&A. But even within this Q&A about this role in this movie, 30 years, whatever, and fun, and, and there, she, you could tell that she has a discipline about Oh yes. What she says, and it, it didn't feel canned or whatever. But she was able to look ahead and see what anyone's objection might mm-hmm. be to her playing somebody that sings "Sweet Transvestite" or whatever. Like she was one step ahead yeah. and had her answer, and it was just like it was really impressive. She, I think, what people do because she's such a great performer, right? You know, she's kind of big, and and you know, she's a singer and a dancer, and, right? Uh, I don't think people know that she's an intellectual. Yeah. Like, my, the first time that Laverne and I hung out, it was, like, deep. Right. <laughs> she is a hardcore intellectual. Like, a big reader and, you know, educated and well-versed right. in all kinds of theories. Like, she's a very, very smart woman. Right. So is Janet. Janet's absolutely brilliant, too. Um, so, yeah, she's very disciplined. And she's, we're all very aware of, of of discourse and how it's shaped and how quickly it mutes and, like, who we have to include and what we can and can't right. say and, like, what to respond to things. It's... It's, it's hard. And, and I think Laverne and Janet, too, probably bear the brunt of it more than anyone else because they're by and far the most visible, you know, aside from Caitlin. Right. And they were there before Caitlin. And so I think the, the burden has been very heavy on them to be, like, kind of the Sydney Poitiers of our movement. Like, the unimpunable. Like, the first famous trans woman is a black trans woman at that, and she has to be perfect on everything. Right. And yet, and yet, you still see her on, on covers of magazines and doing things, and it's really, it's really exciting. It's really, exciting. and I can't wait to see Rocky Horror. I've seen some clips, right? It's amazing. It's gonna She's be good. so good. <laughs> She's so good. I was always a big fan, though. I loved how you had like contemporary references in her story. You mentioned Game of Thrones, yes. <laughs> and then you know, somebody said Janet Mock retweeted me. Yes. <laughs> there were a few things that were like, "Wow, this is really up to the minute." Yeah, I mean, it wasn't written that long ago. Yeah, it was fun because um, Janet and Laverne were sitting next to me at the premiere. Uh, in New York. Oh, how cool. Where did it premiere? Uh, at New Fest. Which oh, is awesome. New Fest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it this year, recently? Last November. Wow. Um, yeah, because yeah, it came out there last November, um, and then we released it online in January of this year. Uh, it was great, and I hadn't told Janet about the reference to her right. tweeting me, so she was really tickled when it, when it came up. It was a lot of fun. What does she do? She, I know she had a book. Mm-hmm. Is she a, a reporter? What's her... She's not an actor. She's not a, no, no. She although she could be. She's, she's an activist talented. for she, sure. Yeah, she's she's more of a journalist than right. Else. That's kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. A pop culture journalist. She had right, a show. Right. Excuse me. She had a show on MSNBC called So Popular, which right. I thought was brilliant. It only lasted a year, but I thought it was absolutely brilliant. She again, it's it's what I talked about earlier. Janet has that deeply intersectional lens, but she has a love of pop culture, and she can right. talk about Beyonce or Blackish or what happened on Scandal this week. From a really nuanced, from like a fangirl perspective, right. and from someone, the perspective of someone who's like couch and intersectional analysis. Right, right, right. Uh, I, I've always thought of Janet as kind of the leader of the trans movement. I really yeah. have. Like the, the modern version of it, the version that came out in the last few years. I think because Laverne is an actress, she became the more visible one. Right. But I think Janet's always been kind of like the heart of, of our movement. At least at least my portion of it, my, right. my crowd. Like Janet's the one that we've all looked to as the kind of leader. Right. Um, now, you crowdfunded some of her story, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, we did. We uh, crowdfunded the post-production cost. Right. Was that a hustle? It was. was it's, it's a lot of work, but and I was, um, you know, we, we 
I think $35,000 was our goal and we surpassed it. Uh, and that was a real shock to me. I mean, right. a pleasant shock, but just the fact that people were really willing to give that much. And it was mostly small donations. What, what kind of feedback have you gotten from it? Have you heard from trans people in... All over the world. Like... It's been translated into multiple languages. Wow. Um, it, the people do screen, like impromptu screenings all over the world and we'll, they'll send us like pictures, you know. A group of people got together in Estonia. There was one in like Bangladesh. It was... Bangladesh. It was amazing. It was. I just. I can't even describe it. Like you've got to do more. I hope so. I hope you get to make more. Well, and the the bigger version of the story is so compelling. Like we. Yeah, we wrote, I, I'm hooked on what we've got, what we've seen so far. Yeah, there's a lot of stories to tell, and I think we can do what we're. Do- I mean, if we can do that on a shoestring budget on our own, like imagine what we could do with you know HBO or Netflix or my right. top pick Lifetime. I actually really want to be on Lifetime. Believe it or not. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, um, it's very—it's television for women. Is it's there... television for women. I think it would say so much to have a show about trans women on the network for women. Right, right, I, I think, right. I think, and it really is a woman's story. That's what her story is about. It's about the stories of women who, whose stories are normally marginalized. It's right. not just trans women. It's lesbians. We have a, you know, there's a Pakistani character, um, you know, women who have been abused. Like, that's the point of her story. It's not just trans women. Um, so I would love to be on Lifetime, plus my favorite show is on Lifetime. That's Which not, is? Unreal. I love Unreal, but I I didn't love the second season as much as the I first. I didn't watch the second season. I, oh, okay. I, I'm a binger, so I'm waiting for Unreal. It the first season is so good. It's brilliant. It's so dark. Uh, I thought Shuri Appleby had that soul deadened industry so thing great. down. Constant Zimmer's a revelation. Oh, and I I love the ba- I think the Bachelor's sexy and hot. I yeah. can't help it, even though he's kind of a did. Jeffrey dick. Chapman is is a is a uh, an acquaintance of mine. He's wonderful. Who does he play? He plays the um, Jay, the one of the producers, the black guy. The oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. I wonderful. just read an article about him. Yeah, Brita Wool is a good friend of mine. She's yeah. actually who I get mistaken for the most. She's my doppelganger. She plays Faith, the Faith, the lesbian. lesbian. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and she's up against you in the Emmys because yeah, that unreal well, thing was all fake stuff but she's not no no that's yeah. the Faith Diaries that's oh I saw the Faith Diaries yeah, yeah so which is great else. no she's great no it's unreal the audition so oh it's, so it's something else something okay. else that she's not in um, but she's a good friend of mine we have the same agent and she's wonderful and Sarah Shapiro I know who, who created the show based on her short that was at the AFI uh, directing women's directors workshop yeah um, and she's just she's a genius she really is yeah it's so good this, so I would love to be on Lifetime second season <laughs> Lifetime would be awesome um, let me see what else I have for you you um, before all of this stuff you were involved in music right or do you work well yeah I work administratively administratively yeah. I, what I was really in was a nonprofit management right uh, specifically arts management that right. was my background that was what I was first educated in was nonprofit management um so I worked at a theater uh, for the performing arts in Chicago, where we did classical music, contemporary classical music, and dance. Oh, how cool! And did that for years and loved it. And there was a music group that performed at the theater called Eighth Blackbird. And I'm, I'll never forget my first concert. I, I listened to them and I was blown away. I'd never seen anything like it. They are classically trained musicians, um, conservatory trained classical musicians, but they do new works by living composers. And they often memorize music, they stage it, they were, they were young, they were dynamic. It was one of the most exciting performances I'd ever seen. And I said, that's what I want to do next, I want to work for them. And they eventually they grew to the point where they needed someone to, to run the company as a nonprofit. 
And so I joined and worked with them for five years. Wow. As their, their managing director and grew the company from like a $300,000 budget to up to a million and, you know, grew the staff and... Are they uh, still doing their thing? Absolutely. Every They're album, every new album they, they have out wins the Grammy that year. They are the best at what they do. That's fantastic. They are, and they are the, the smartest, most hardworking, kindest people I've ever met. It was a dream job, except that it was the most exhausting thing ever. I, right. I kept collapsing from exhaustion towards the end. I ended up in the hospital a few times. Um, they were totally supportive of my transition, but... Were you transitioning during that period? During a period. And, um, I mean, I... My job was so important to me that I went to our the, the chair of our board and said, listen, like, I think I might be trans. Like, I don't know, but I think I might. But if I were to transition, you know, would I still have a job? And they said, absolutely, unequivocally, we will support you no matter what. And then when I started that process, in those early, you know, those early months, it's really awkward. Um, you look awkward. You look like a feminine man, and then you look like right. something in between. And How long... Would you, if you were to talk about that period, how long of a period of time are we talking about? I'd say like one to two years. One to two years. Yeah, depending. And, and I got lucky. Like transition at my age, like most, particularly white girls, it's not always, it doesn't always go well. <laughs> um, you got, you, you got lucky. And that it just speaking. turned out good. Yeah, it just turned out good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And there's no explanation for that. It's just sheer dumb luck. I can't take any credit for it. And, uh, even when things got awkward and I was afraid, cause you know, it's a conservative field to cosmic right. music and a lot of our donors you know big foundations sure a lot of older people yeah exactly and I was afraid um, about that I'm like you know what if you know what if we lose like what if someone's not comfortable working with me and my board chair said then that's not money we need wow I mean Peter Nicholson who is uh, I'll, I'll, always, I'll never forget how gracious and kind and supportive he was and that, that really made a big difference in my life but even though they were supportive I immediately began engaging in activism because the people were dying in my community in Chicago. There were several murders. And, right. Um, so I would work all day at a Blackbird, and then I would work all night and work all weekend on trans issues. And right. I, it was punishing. It was too much. I just couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. And so you, um, what made you want to move out here? Mm. Did you come out just to do the show I came out, and then stay? I came out to do her story, and then Caitlin asked me to be on her show, right. and that was right after that. And then I got an agent. She's like, it's, it was just one thing led to another. Do you go to many auditions? Uh, not a lot. Not a lot. What kinds of things, though? It used I, to always be, like, the Law & Order show and the... Yeah, no, not the, anymore. You know that, what I mean? That, like, that the hooker. Changed. Right. You know, that... It went from, like, dead hooker to sassy hooker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least you're not dead. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, and Laverne has done all those parts, by the way. Right. And she, she really... People forget that she had been working for a long time before when just a new black and really grinding away at that, you know, those kinds of roles. I uh, know the roles are, have gotten better. Like, I, I had an audition today for a small part in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, um, fantastic. It's a tiny part. You know, the character didn't need to be trans, but they wrote right. it as trans. And that's what's happening a lot today. Like, I'll, right. I'll do parts where I'll come in and realize, like, oh, there was no reference. It didn't matter. It, it, she didn't need right. to be trans. She just was. Right. You know, and, and that's great. That's great. So that's it's, cool. it's getting better. I just came off of a three-day horror shoot. That, oh, brother, what are you doing in that? Oh, Lord. I play a hacker who... Um, basically implants a computer chip in her body to try to connect to the internet and instead she gets haunted by ghosts. Wow. Uh, and I, I'm That sounds like of, a big part. It was a very big part uh, and it's brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm kind of underplaying it because I don't want to say too much. It's brilliant. Like the whole, it's an anthology, it's a new anthology series and the writer-director, it's, she's brilliant. Like it's really So it'll be a smart. television? It, I can't say. Right. Um, That's so exciting. Be, yeah, it's going to be Did a Did you series. have to scream? 
I had, you? To, I had to bleed and scream and jump and run and cut open my own body. Right. And I am, uh, there are bruises. All, I'm wearing jeans because there's wow. bruises all over me. <laughs> good for you, though. That's good. Yeah, it was great. I just did, I just did a, a short scene in Doubt on CBS, the new legal drama awesome. that, that Laverne is part of. So great. I played a scene as one of her friends. Actually, Angelica and I both got separately cast without them knowing we all knew each other. Oh, that's amazing. Got cast to play her friends. And it's just one short scene, but, and again, there's should no... come back. It could come back. And it's also, there's no reference to her friends being trans, except in, right. like, they're noted as such in the script, but in the lines, it's not mentioned. Right, right, so, right. And that's really exciting. Do you find, like, when I was watching I Am Kate, and, and there, this community of women hanging out together for the show or whatever, mm-hmm. do you find that you your social circle is a lot of trans people, or do you find that it's sort of all over the map? It's or a, who do you hang out with? It's all over the map. Um... Yeah, I'd say it's all over the map now. That's good. Yeah, and here in LA, it's I hang out with other artists, mostly women. Right. Yeah, that's like I'd say queer women is, is for the most part, and that's largely because of her story. Like, because those are the people I right. knew when I got you here. You get to know people pretty well when you work on something that yeah, intensely, exactly. and you become friends. Yeah, and, exactly. And all so, that. Um, but yeah, a number of trans women and trans. I live with a couple, uh, right. a trans guy and uh, a woman, a lawyer, and they're they're wonderful people. And, right. Um, they've been letting me stay in their extra room for. I'm still living out of suitcases. It's been 15 months now. That's all right. I, You've I'm got auditions. I got auditions, and I'm writing a lot. That's I just, right. You know, I had a, a feature. I had a script. You were part of the Outfest screenwriting. Lab. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm really great. Excited. So I'm really want to get a movie made this year. That'd be amazing. Yeah, it would. <laughs> had you always been a writer? Had you always yes. written? Writing is my my biggest passion. I started writing a novel when I was like 10. Oh, you know, so it's always been part of what you yeah, do. Yeah, I can't not write. Right. I do morning pages every day, first thing. Like, Good for religiously. you. I just, there's so, I, it would take me the rest of my life to get out everything that's in my head right now. And every day, every time I go on a walk or take a shower, something new comes to me. That's so, amazing. Yeah, I have a lot to do. <laughs> you have a lot to say. I do. That's a lot. Um, you mentioned in one of the articles I read, that you felt like the, the the trans community is in the Sydney Poitier moment, yes. where all the representations mm-hmm. have to be sort of noble and perfect, and you're looking forward to when you can mix it up more. Yes, but it sounds like the horror thing, yeah, is that's kind the, of on the way there. I yeah. thought that was a good step. I mean, she's still the hero, right? Um, but it wasn't about her being trans. There's one passing reference to her being trans, right? Um, and but that's it. So it's getting better. I'll be interested to see what all they do with Laverne's character on Doubt. Yeah, I think that'll be a huge test case. Like. Will they treat her with kid gloves, or will they let it get And it's gritty? CBS, right? It's CBS, yeah. And it's a legal drama? It's a legal drama with um, Elliot Gould, Dulé Hill, and Katherine Heigl. Oh, wow. So All it's right. big, and she's the fourth lead, so it's 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 a big role. Good for her. Oh, it's great. Is, she, is her character still in Orange is the New Black? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Not yeah. much, but she's in there. She pops up. Yeah, yeah I haven't... I checked out after the season one. There's too many shows to watch. Oh, God, I know. I can't with it. There's, there's too many. So, and they're so good. They are. There's, there's so, so many good, good ones. I know. I'm glad that you like Unreal. I feel like that's one of my favorites. That's definitely my... That got me... I mean, I watched it because of Brita and Jeffrey and Sarah, the people I knew. But right. I got hooked immediately. And it was so really, not what I expected. So well observed. It's so subversive and feminist and sharp and gritty and yeah. juicy and soapy. Like, you can see why... Yeah. Like, like, I, like, her story aspires to be, like, unreal right. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> but I can see the, the uh, DNA yeah. that's going on there. Um, you mentioned before, like, when you, when you transitioned, you, you told your employer... I mean, I think for gay people coming out... You don't have to think about the next two years of your life, <laughs> like yeah. how you're gonna do what you're gonna do, and the the, the whole. It's it, it feels like the planning for it, the decision to do it, and then there's the sort of okay, how does this fit in my life yeah. part of it? It's a lot. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of us. Well, 
I'd say I think it's why I put it off for so long too. Well, it's also like it's like it, it, um, this is a weird thing, but like a pregnancy, like okay, mm-hmm. nine months. Where am I going to be? Like you have yeah. to think about your future and where you are, and do well, you have the you know the financial? Yeah, exactly. Like there's a exactly. million. It's not. It's not just an announcement that has no, to be made. No, no, it isn't. Goes well. And you know, I mean, th- that's been my case, and, I, and it, there's definitely a racial and class component here because most of the girls I know who are Latina or Black or, or Asian Pacific Islander didn't have to, to do all that. They were they were poor. They were kicked out of their homes. They were on the streets. They had to hustle. So it wasn't like there was the, everyone, no the, everyone already turned there. There, there was yeah, yeah exactly. They'd exactly. already been sort of exactly marginalized. It was you know I was according as far as the world saw like right. I was like a straight white dude. You were sitting pretty. Don't, I was sitting. Don't pretty. rock the boat. You I, a good, I was a, you boss. a good gig. I yeah. was running a company. Right. I, I could walk. Through, I could go anywhere and do anything and know that my voice mattered. <laughs> and right. So, like in the rhetoric at, at the right. time, right? You were like a, a white dude. Yeah. 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 yeah a straight white dude. You know. Right. I had a pretty girlfriend. Like I was going to get married. Like. I, I was doing well. And so there's this this part of you that's like, but this isn't who I am. Yeah. And do I risk this entitled position or whatever and all mm-hmm. that comes with it to try to be more authentic? Do I do it? What a... That's... Yeah, and eventually... That's it just, amazing. It, eventually it doesn't feel like a choice. It feels like this has to happen. Yeah, exactly. It just, it just has to. And I, I, I had gone to therapy to get rid of it. And I think that's what's really compelling about Caitlin's story mm-hmm. is like... You really felt like Caitlin just had to. It was I had a I had an Uber driver the other day who um, was convinced and like told me she's like yeah he's gonna go back to being Bruce I'm like no no she's not and she's like oh yeah no he is this whole thing is a publicity stunt she's like, I'm I'd be willing to put money on it I'm telling you I'm like listen I'm like I know her <laughs> I promise you 100 percent zero doubt this is who she is. Yes. <laughs> I was at a birthday dinner for a friend and, and I was sitting across a dinner table from one of her friends and this person was convinced of that same thing that it's, it's all the so publicity stuff. And I thought, you don't do something like that for no. publicity. It's, a, it's a, a, like, it just shows you how disconnected people are from the reality and they yeah. probably have never met a trans person. Right. Because like, what we go through in order to be ourselves is so huge. It's up, you upend your entire life and you risk losing Everything, your job, right. your family, your friends, your home, like you risk losing it all. Right. You don't do that like And you're sort of, you're sort of, I don't know if this is the right word, you're sort of banking or gambling on the fact that whatever's on the other side of this mm-hmm. that's, that's more authentic in terms of my gender is going to be better. The way that I used to put it was, I would rather fight demons on the outside than demons on the inside. <gasps> I got chills just now when you said that. You I hope you I mean? wrote that. I hope you put that in something. Yeah, it should be, her it should story be in season something. Two. Yeah, there's a lot of good lines in her story, by the way. I'll read you. them later. Okay, uh, I love that. Um, oh, this one. It okay. never gets easier for girls like us, but we get stronger. Yeah, that was. Um, I, I wish I. I don't think I wrote that as much as I lifted it from someone on Twitter. Um, <laughs> That's what Twitter's for. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that not ex- said exactly like that, right. but there was um, the whole "It Gets Better" campaign. Right. Um, a lot of trans people being like, "But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't get better for us." Yeah. Um, and then someone pointed out, "But but we grow. Get strong, yeah. Like yeah, we get stronger." So that that was kind of that idea because it's it. true. It does. Get it is true. It often gets harder for us. But you were talking about um, demons on the inside versus demons on the inside. Yeah, exactly. I would rather... Like, fighting against myself was what was killing me. I can fight with people outside of me. That's easier. And how did the killing... It was killing me. How does that manifest itself? Health issues. Mental issues. Relationships. Like, everything, right? All of it. You're never yourself. Like, I... You know, part of the reason I... 
was convinced that no one really liked me was because on some subtle level I thought, well, no one really knows me because I'm not really me. I remember the first... You felt like people didn't like you. I felt like they didn't know me. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't really love me because they don't know the real me. Right. You know, I had to hide all that, you know, and I was hiding it even from myself. You know, that was one of the things my, you know, it really hurt my mom that she never knew. And she thought, how could I not know? Like, how could you not tell me? And I had to be like, I didn't know. How could I tell you if like, I couldn't admit it to myself? Like I had to do that first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Health issues, avoidance for me, you know, I sublimated with work. Right. And I poured myself into activism Activism was a lifeline for me because I thought, I really thought I was, I was pretty suicidal. So I was just kind of like, I was putting my affairs in order and trying to put enough good in the world to outdo whatever damage I would do by checking out. Wow. I was buying myself a ticket out, basically. Right, right, right. Yeah. For a long time. So that when they spoke about you at the memorial, they would all be good. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, I I did my part. Like, I just, it was like a, I wanted to pay my debt before I left. You know? <laughs> wow. And this was before you started transitioning? Before no, no, this was, no, this was after. Wow. I was still, like, even though I was, like, happier, it was still, like, there was just so much trauma internalized. My gosh. Yeah, it takes a long time to undo that. And it, it's reason, as much as, like, a lot of trans activism makes my skin crawl, um, I also understand some of the, the worst of it. Like, the people who are so aggressive and strident and, and can even be cruel and vicious. It's because we, we've internalized so much trauma. It's hard. It's hard. I, yeah. What helps? What's helped you? Time? Time is the biggest. Absolutely. Time Time does more than anything else. Um, you know, therapy. Yeah. Being in nature. Friendships. Right. Getting sober, in my case. Uh, creative? Creative, yeah. You know, Jill Soloway gave me one... Re- I mean, she gave me a lot of great advice, frankly, but... She was also thanked in your... Yeah. Um, I mean, Jill was the person who told me to get into screenwriting. Yeah. She uh, she had reached out to me when she was first developing Transparent because I was you know a well known trans activist and uh, was using some of the resources I had created for her for her team as they were writing the episodes and brought me in on advanced screenings and and uh, she said hey have you ever thought about being a screenwriter I'm like well I'm like there was a time in my life I wanted to be when I was a kid but I didn't realize I didn't have anything right. to say and I went a different direction she goes I think you should she's like I think you have what it takes and like we need trans screenwriters in Hollywood so do it. And uh, she's been very supportive of me and, you know, read an early draft of her story and gave me notes. Um, Like what? Well, one of the things she told me, uh, and she's absolutely right, she's like, your first thing will be therapy. Like, your first draft. Like, the first story you tell will be you exercising your own demons. Right. And then once you get, once you're done with that, you can move on. (laughs) Right. You can (laughs) start to make sense of it. Exactly. And let your characters be a little bit more free and take them in different directions. Uh, and it was, it was really true. So in a, in a very real way, her story was therapy and, and, uh, and I'm excited to kind of go beyond that now. I love Transparent. What do you think of it? Uh, I love it. I do. I um, think it's so good. Jill's, it, it's all the characters, all of the whole world of it, the, the siblings, the, I just love it. I, yeah, I do too. I, I'm, well, do I love it? I like it a lot. Right. I don't, it's not... It's not my world. Right. Um, and it's not It's my, very specific. It's very specific. And it's one of these things where it's... I don't want to sound like, I, like I'm critiquing her because I'm not. I think the show is brilliant. It's just not the show that I would want... It's not the show I would write. Right. Um, it's not the characters I'm interested in. Uh, like, here's, a good, here's a, a good example. One of the pieces of advice that Jill gave me early on was don't have your characters say what they mean. It's like, have the characters have a motivation, a drive to, to, to do something... 
but have them say something else, you know, that's a kind of a counter to that. Because that level of irony and tension is what makes the writing really compelling. And that's exactly what makes transparent great. Right. These characters all so like desperately want something and yet they're constantly sabotaging themselves by right. doing and saying things that are contrary to that. Um, I'm more of a wear my heart on the sleeve. My characters do say what they mean. Right. And I find conflict in other ways. And for a while I they've thought had, that, They've had to, though. Well, that's the like, thing. They're ba- you have to. It's a different to. perspective. Yeah. Right? I, don't you think? Well, and for a while I thought that made me a less capable... Like, I was a poor words, writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because but I started to realize, like, no, it's my style. <laughs> it's your style. It's your voice. Yeah. It's your voice. Exactly. My, my work is going to, at least for a while, it's going to be more earnest. Yeah, and because a, you've spent your whole life telling another story. Yeah. Like, in other words, it, it, it feels, I don't know counterintuitive to what you've been working towards. Yeah, and it works. I mean, her story resonates too in a yes. different way than Transparent does. Yes. But I will say that I saw some of season three and it's my favorite yet. Really? Yeah. I thought season two was even better than season one. I See, I didn't like season two as much. Okay. Yeah. I just like it. I like... I, I Although love, I will I, say in season two, I Josh the directing was, was beautiful. Josh? Josh and um, the rabbi. Yeah. Their, their relationship Catherine was... Catherine Hahn is fucking She's one of my amazing. She, Have you I seen say, Bad Moms? Uh, no, not yet. She steals the movie. She steals everything she's, she's been so in. She's so fucking After good the at light, it. She was amazing. I love that movie, too. Um, everything she's in. She, I have to admit, like, she's the one... Like, I've met other, everyone at Transparent. Right. Um, you know, been to like, events with everyone. She's the only person I get nervous around. And she's, like, so chill and friendly about it. I'm just like, I love her. Right. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see um, season three. Let me see what I wrote on my list that's, um, that's that I didn't talk about. It's just that I warned you. Like, I'm such a talker. I, I really love can't. this. Like, Are you kidding? I just go. You, um, you talk about foodgasms in your work. That's a true story. Yes. That's, I, that's that an, somebody I, had a... You actually had a foodgasm. I've had three. I, I, they what, had literal foodgasms. What my character says had literally happened Which to was me. that she had had a foodgasm. Yeah. I've had three, from all from really intense chocolate desserts. And you've, you experienced it as an orgasm. As an orgasm. It was so embarrassing. Obviously, I'm not, like, screaming in the middle of a restaurant, but it was at Lady Gregory's, which is where my character works at. And right. that's why I have that in, in... Where is that? It's in Andersonville in Chicago. Okay. Uh, it was, like, a nearby restaurant, and they had this molten chocolate lava cake. Right. And uh, this is one of the effects of hormones, as it turns out, too. Oh, uh, interesting. Is I'm much more... God, this is getting gritty, but I'm... No, I love I'm, it. I'm very orgasmic. That's fantastic. Good have, for you. I had multiple orgasms. Fantastic. They're bigger and longer. Yeah. And I was I was eating this chocolate cake, and all of a sudden, my heart starts racing, my cheeks flush, I start kind of like, I'm like, oh my god, I'm having <laughs> orgasm. You're like pulling a Meg Ryan, only it's real. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to tamp it down. Right. Like, I'm not screaming in public, but I'm like, oh my god. And then it happened two more times, also with really intense chocolate, chocolate stuff. <laughs> so now when you see one, you're kind of like, I have I to be careful. You have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> do have other people have you shared this and it's people say that happens it's yeah, a thing it's a thing it's a thing I think women and chocolate too it's very common that is amazing so there's something chemical there that's really <laughs> nice to know yeah. I want to do that I want to have that it's a real thing I tell you uh, estrogen makes sex much much better does it? We, we get the better part of sex it's true that's interesting was that surprising to you? uh yeah actually it was it was, it was surprising how much sex changed like it's radically different like and it's, I, there's not many of us that get to talk about how different that is because I experience sex like as like a, as a man, as and, a man with a woman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and because I'm bi, I've had every combination possible. Like, right. I've had like I was a man with a woman and a man with a, a man and a, and a a woman with a woman and a woman with a man. And right, right, in between. right. Um, and yeah, sex is very, very different. What, there's actually an old Greek myth. I think. Is there one that's? Is there one where you 
that you like the best, or does it depend on the person? It often depends on the person. I, I mean, most of the best sex I've had has been after transition with men. With men. Personally. Yeah. Right. Sex. But emotionally, I don't know how to date men. Yeah. I did just, like, there just didn't seem to be much there. I mean, because I date straight men, too, and they're just like, there's not a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> See? What is the... the what is the dynamic between a trans woman and a, a, a cisgender woman? Like, I mean, it, it, I'm sure there's a million different relations for yeah. a million different people. But do they, do you feel like, it, do you feel like there's more of a camaraderie than not? Or we, we share certain things? I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, um, because straight women, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but they spend a lot of time thinking about men and what men want. Mm-hmm. And, ugh, men. Yeah. Can't get, can't live with them, can't shoot them kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that you, you bring something else to that conversation. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I also, that's not, that hasn't been my impression of right. women Good. in general. Um, it's a part of right. what we talk about, but it's, it's not the majority, even right. like the straight girls I know. But most of my friends in LA are like, are queer women artists. Right. So that's also a very unique dynamic. And, and yeah, they just see me as, as another woman and. Um, our differences are more fascinating. They're, they're, they're seldom. They don't come up that much. Right. And when they do, they're more interesting than anything Yeah, else. it's something that you, you, you learn and you, yeah. you, I used you to enrich joke. each other as opposed to yeah, feel exactly. distance. I used you, to have something to bring you together more than, than create a distance. That's exactly right. Uh, we actually had a great conversation one day. It was Angelica and I and then Laura and another cis woman from her story like we were on a road trip together to a film festival and right. we got into like really in deep conversations about like vaginas and penises and asses and sex and all that it was really fascinating what was the takeaway uh, just exactly what you just said yeah like, there's a lot more that, that links us than, than separates us that's good um, but I was going to say is that there's this funny kind of like stages I've noticed that trans women go through in relation to cis women where um, you can kind of see that you're being accepted as a woman because like first it's like the first thing you'll notice is that they start talking about periods. Like, as a boy, I never heard women talk about menstruation. Right. As a woman, like, once I'm seen as a woman by other women, it's like, I hear about it all the time. Right. Like, you always know where people are in their cycle, and, like, there's stories about it all the time that, like, men just don't hear about. Right. That's interesting. <laughs> and then also, like, um, talking in the bathroom. Right. I, I'll never, oh, God, I still can't get over this. I was uh, hanging out with Carrie Washington for another reason entirely. Scandal. You, you fly in a very um, elite pool of cool people. We walk to the bathroom together. Right. And, like, something that women do. You just keep talking. Right. And, like, we, you know, walked into adjacent stalls and we're peeing and, like, talking over the stalls. Right. <laughs> At this moment, like, oh, my God, I'm talking, like, I'm talking while peeing with Carrie Washington. Right. <laughs> That's the most surreal moment Guys of LA. Guys might do a little at the urinal, but not really. It's no. It's weird, right? No. You don't, you, you kind of, you kind of, like, hold that thought. And I can't, I don't, I don't have a girlfriend whom I haven't seen pee at some point. Like, we'll be on FaceTime, and right. all of a sudden you'll hear someone start peeing. Right. It's totally... <laughs> it's just like the conversation doesn't healthy. stop. Yeah, exactly. What surprised you most about transitioning? Something uh, that was different calling. than you thought it would be? Catcalling. Catcalling. That's the biggest difference in my life. It's on the like, one hand, like, I think it must be complicated, because on the one hand, it's kind of a compliment. Yeah. It, 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 on the other hand, it's gross and horrible and yeah there's a stage valuing and Mm -hmm. all that there's a stage that trans women go through where it's like you you have those mixed feelings like oh god they're they're seeing me just as a woman they're seeing me the way i want to be seen in a way which is great yeah but then you get you know all the negatives that go with it then you also have this like risk for violence um oh excuse me sorry drinking a soda um 
I I'm a I'm a I'm a loner and I'm a wanderer. So right. I often like I go out by myself. I go to dinner alone. I go to movies alone. I travel alone, and I I do it a lot. Uh, and I like to just like wander cities and kind of explore on foot. I always have. As a man, that was just fine. Yeah, yeah go go for it. And I, I also I, I I've fixed it since, but I used to not be able to sleep. So I would often like and I would travel with a music group. I would just like wander random cities in the middle of the night and right. feel totally safe. As a woman, I can't walk a block without having a man say something to me. Right. You know, it, even if they're yelling at a car as they screech by or following me on the street asking me for my phone number, Lyft drivers asking me out when I'm in their cars. Like, it's constant. It's constant. And so it's a complete... I don't move to the same world. We literally occupy two different worlds as men and women. Yeah. It's astonishing. Did it give you more understanding of what other women oh, have been course. going through all I had no this idea. time? I mean, I knew it intellectually. You know, I right. read the story. But you don't know what it feels like day no. to day to have to be that be constantly reminded of your place. Yeah, like oh, you exist. Like you exist. You for exist my to please me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's it's a comp- it's it's a day and night. It's like it's like we literally occupy different worlds. That's so. Interesting. And I could, I never anticipated that. That is the single biggest difference in my life. Wow. Yeah. All right. So you pick some questions from the observation desk. Well, or you actually, did. I you did. did. You're gonna surprise me. You just want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was your favorite or most memorable birthday? This year. Really? What yeah. did you do? I had a surprise birthday party. Who put it together? The, uh, Alana, the woman I live with. Um, right. She is. She loves throwing parties. She loves uh, birthday parties. I don't do birthdays. I never right. have. Um, but I also realized after the surprise birthday party that I had, in fact, always wanted to do birthdays. I just was afraid to ask anyone. It's that whole, like, oh, no one would want to celebrate me right. kind of thing. So I was like, oh, like, I don't do birthdays. You know, right, right, kind right. of preemptive thing. Um, so I just thought I was going out to barbecue with, with Taylor and Alana, the couple I live with. And then, so we walk into my favorite barbecue place over in Pasadena, Gus's, it's wonderful. And, like, we keep walking, like, why are we going so far back? And it's like, okay, whatever. And I walk into a room, and it's like 13 people that I love. And, like, some of whom had never met each other, like, from, like, different parts of my world. And I would just, I... I just, I was confused. I just kept being like, I don't understand. Like, what's happening? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's a party for you. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, why are you all here? It was, it was, this, I, I'm still like, I, I what, just like want to so thrilling. It. it was so sweet. And you just ate there and talked with everyone yeah, and hung out and yeah, had cake. It and, was the best. That's amazing. It was really sweet. I love that. What's the most trouble you ever got in in school? Oh, he just died, too. I just found out a couple days ago that he passed away. He was my seventh grade social studies teacher. Uh, and I am a smartass. Like right, I, that's your That's brand. my handle, too, smartass Jen. And so I would make, com- I would, like, you know, make witty comments back. And um, my uh, social studies teacher, like, I guess I pushed it too far, and he finally gave me detention. And I, there was a slip, and uh, he wrote, like, the reason for my detention was disrespecting my elders. You know, because I was pe- speaking back to him. He was a huge Elvis fan. Right. And so, on, in a student's response, I wrote, how can I respect a man who worships a dead druggie? <laughs> you wrote it You wrote it on the thing after you'd already gotten in trouble? Yes. D- don't keep digging the hole that you're in. So what happened then? I got in more trouble. <laughs> right. And also, you didn't appreciate Elvis. I did. I, mean, I just a... wanted to make fun of him. I know. That's so... You got in more trouble. I got in more trouble. Although, I also know... It's like this... So, my mom would always call me a smartass, but I could tell that she also kind of enjoyed it. Right. Like, my, my mouth gets me in trouble, but I can also tell that people, re- people they, they kind like of appreciate it. it. Right. <laughs> okay. What was your most glamorous night? Have I ever felt glamorous? God, I don't know if I've ever actually... 
Did you feel ja- glamorous with the Jackie O dress at the at the White House? I did, but I that, that doesn't feel glamorous. No. That doesn't feel like the Oscars. Maybe the Emmys will be glamorous. I think that'll that'll probably feel glamorous. I'm still a little like I'm just now kind of. I don't even know how to put this in a way that doesn't sound so totally vain. I've never felt attractive. It's only been the last like year or two that I'm starting to actually feel attractive mm-hmm. and allow myself to like. Feel to that. rock it a little, to, to work rock it that a little bit. And feel I that support glam. that. You should. Um, was it? There've been a couple of events I've done where people have done my makeup, uh, and I and I felt I felt pretty good. Yeah, but I can't think of any one particular one particular night. Out. Hopefully the Emmys. You're right. Hopefully that'll be the one. If you could relive one day from your childhood, what would it be? Uh, I have to be honest. Uh, my father died when I was young, so I would give anything to hear his voice. Again. To have a day with, with him there. How old were you? Eight. What was he like? He was gentle. He was sweet. He was a big kid. He was the youngest of five children. So he wasn't a great dad in that sense. You know, right. he was the fun one. But my mom was kind of cold. And my mom was an angry, cold woman. Right. Um, and we were very poor. Uh, and it was, it was tough. It was a tough childhood. But my dad was fun. He was playful. I remember being in a hotel room with him in Mississippi. That's where I'm from. And he had a box of Lucky Charms and we poured it out on the bed of the hotel and separated all the marshmallows. Oh my God. Yeah. The marshmallows are the best parts. I just remember that. Yeah. He's a sweet guy. He's a really sweet guy. How do you think he would have felt about the transition? I, I thought about that a lot. That was on my mind a lot. I, I talked to a cousin a couple years ago. Uh, I have a gay cousin who told me that my father father pulled him aside when he was young before he was out Mm -hmm. and my father pulled him aside and said i just want you to know i love you enzo it's probably my dad he's now i know he's he's he follows me about exactly um your dad what he never barked come here buddy it's okay what's going on what's going on enzo what are you uh anyway no it's probably literally my dad (laughs) really yeah because um, there was nothing to react to. Yeah. He shows up. Uh, he. <laughs> I kind of just got chills again. No, like I one time had a psychic like see him. A psychic whom I've never met. Wow. It's like, oh, he's out here. He wants to tell you something. Um, so he hangs around. I thought he was gone. Maybe he's still around. Um, well. Hi, Dad. Uh, anyway. <laughs> But he took he took he, your he pulled my cousin aside when he was very young and said, "I want you to know I, I love you and support you no matter what. And if there's anything you ever want to talk about, you can." And this would have been That's in incredible. The seventies. Wow. Know, like 70s in Mississippi. <laughs> wow. So, and my cousin told me he's like, "I want you to know that because I th- I think your dad would have." Yeah. That's awesome. That your dad would have been cool. What's a voicemail that was left for you that you played more than once? <laughs> I was at. This was years ago, back when I did, uh, I was big in theater in high school. Right. I was like the big actor in my high school. You know, what was but, your big role? Uh, I, I kind of tore the, the shit out of uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. Did you really? Carrie Grant role. all-time favorite roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a great show. That was, I, I, that was one of my things. Uh, I did The Heiress my junior Ooh, year. that's a good show. Fame. <gasps> Who um, were you in Fame? I was the acting teacher. and I also Mr. Shirovsky? Yes. And I also played guitar. Nice. So I played all the music in it, too. And for, like, the songs. Like, is it okay if I call you mine? Oh, I love I it. that song. Um, First of all, I love that your school did Fame. Yeah, it was super That's kind of edgy. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then I directed my senior year and, and did some other workshop stuff. Uh, but... 
What was, was the question? The voicemail. Yes, voicemail. So I, um, I went to, I got to go to college for one year before I got kicked out of my home and my family all scattered. And that first year I went to Illinois State University and, uh, the kids from my theater who I directed as a senior were down for some theater convention. And this is back in the day, voicemail, you know, right. like, I mean, an answering machine, not voicemail, right. answering an actual answering machine and landlines. And I came home one night, I had been out all night to like find like 40 messages and they were all like doing this like kind of playful thing where like, um, they would like make up characters as if they'd like found my number on a bathroom wall and right. were calling it. And one was like Satan. It's like, this is Satan, Lord of the Underworld. I found your number on the bathroom wall. Right. <laughs> Funny. I kept those for her and I would just like replay them over and over. Um, I have some, my brother will sometimes leave me funny messages and voices right. and all that. Uh, I have a friend in Chicago, Cassandra, whose voice I just love. And I'll sometimes save her messages and re-listen to them. Um, yeah. He does like sweet things like friends and lovers and stuff like that. That's nice. Yeah. But I, those kids, those kids from theater were so fun. <laughs> yes. Cause everyone's theater geeks. Yeah, of course. I have a message on my machine from this kid that I met who was a young gay guy and he had a real drug problem and he was mm. trying to get clean and we became friendly and he was young. He was like in his twenties. His parents didn't accept him. And I was on a cruise in November and when we got into Fort Lauderdale, I had a couple of different messages on my phone of people like, call me, call me. And he had overdosed and died. Oh. And I still have his voice message on on my machine. Yeah. And I don't want to delete it. Oh, that's nice that you can still hear his voice. Yeah. It's interesting. And voicemails are, like, they're even antiquated. Like, now it's like, why is somebody calling me? It's like, yeah. don't you text? <laughs> exactly. It's weird. I don't know. I feel like technology is, a lot of things are being lost and they are but new things are being gained yes and that's how you have to look at it exactly yeah technology uh, i mean i love i think marshall McLuhan is the key to understanding uh technology the medium today. is the message isn't that yeah he, i mean that's, that's that? yeah he did um but he had a lot about technology i mean he was writing in the 50s um, right so it was a different sense of technology but he was very present he saw the way things were going and he talked about how every media is both an extension and an amputation right so it, it extends one sense but in in so doing, it, it amputates another. Yeah. So there's always something gained and something lost. lost. And things are constantly shifting. Yeah. Uh, and and it's like and that that extension amputation is the message really like that's what we can learn. So it's like the way that what media does, we have to like kind of reflect on that and what it does to ourselves as humans. And like that's that's the thing that we should really be paying right. attention to and seeing what what so what I see because so oh, so a lot of people be like oh kids all they do is text you know there's no they they're not present but like they're actually communicating communicating more they've done studies that have talked about the number um a person who t- the kids who text will actually use more words per day than someone who doesn't so they're actually more communicative it's just they're communicating in a way that isn't as visible to the rest of us right and so we'll sometimes judge it like oh they're not really here. it's not real they're not in the moment no, but it's, it's so not true like, yeah they're, yeah, they're yeah. in a different moment that you that you're not witnessing yeah <laughs> i was just having a conversation with somebody oh what was it related to but it was a, the the point was that Millennials were more earnest. I think that's true. And then, then Generation X are like the yeah, irony, the irony yeah. stuff. And I think, and I was trying to think about that, and I was wondering why that is. And I think they've been through more in terms of yeah. like nine eleven yeah. and the financial. Like we, we kind of got lucky in terms of like some of the, in terms of just the things that were going on in the world. You could kind of skate through the nineties were pretty sweet, mm. you know. And I don't know. I, I think. I've thought a lot about you, you, your Generation X, too. Yeah. Way. 
Um, I thought I loved, you know, and I was a like the kid. irony thing. Totally, and, yeah, yeah, disaffected. Yeah. We were right. the smallest generation. We were the first generation to have it worse off than our parents. Right. We were latchkey kids, children of divorce. Right. You know, challenger explosion. Like we like all like we're a pretty fucked up generation. But I also think that makes us artists. I think we're like, right. the most, like I think we're probably overrepresented in Hollywood. Would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, that could be true. That is interesting. And millennials, yeah, they did in the wake of nine eleven and all that. But they also in the wake of um, you know, global connectivity and aware a heightened awareness of social issues. And yeah, I mean, it's millennials who are going to save our asses. I think so. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. I know what it was. I listened to this podcast called Ten Percent Happier, hosted by Dan. Harris. Oh yeah, who, the, the, the happiness guru. He studies he's, happiness. He he's uh, a he's one of the hosts of Nightlines. Oh, but he's uh, he's d- discovered meditation after having a nervous breakdown on the air, oh, wow. and he's sort of cynical and judgmental and snarky and all of that stuff. And he's found that this has helped him. Mm. And he's sort of he's sort of now kind of interviewing people about meditation. And he he interviewed this one guy who was a millennial. A younger guy who started this thing called the Medi Group or whatever in New York. Young people come together, meditate, whatever. It's a whole movement. Mm-hmm. But there's an earnestness around it that is very millennial and not Gen X, which is yeah. what he is. And they were discussing that dynamic and that difference. Like, Dan, if you listen to the podcast, he's always afraid of sounding corny or sentimental or yeah. earnest. or He's always disclaiming. Or I know this sounds a little bit woo-woo, but right. you know, he's always sort of trying to disclaim that. Whereas this other guy was like, they're a little bit, you know, they're a little yeah. bit woo-woo and they're a little granola in their things and that's fine and that's, you know, there's an earnestness and they're, they're not afraid to look corny yeah. or sentimental. And, I'm, and I think that is a generational thing and I'm, I was trying to wonder, I was trying to think of why and I think, you I think know. it's all the things we just which, I think so. Yeah. It's interesting. Although I have to say, but I, I, in a way it gives me hope and yeah, faith in, in, in the millennials. It's brilliant. I mean, and it's, it's a global thing too. I mean, yeah. like, all the, the solutions are out there. It's incredible. Well, okay. Um, when we did the panel together, the last thing I asked everyone, and I remember you had a terrific answer, was why you do it, why you create, and what keeps you going when the obstacles can be pretty challenging. Oh, I don't remember what I said then, but... But it was a good answer, but I'm okay. sure you'll come up with something. Uh, I mean, for me, the stakes are still so high. You know, there was um, a trans woman murdered in Turkey two days ago who was raped and burned, possibly burned alive, uh, who was a trans activist. Um, there's been about 19 murders in the United States this year that we know of, trans women murdered. Uh, and more often than not, it's young black and Latina trans women who are, uh, who've been kicked out of their homes, their churches, their schools, have turned to sex work, and are then killed by clients. They're basically killed by men who seek them out as sexual partners. Right. And then are embarrassed, ashamed, whatever, conflicted. Right. And reassert their masculinity through violence. Right. Uh, so the the stakes for me are life and death. I, right. I, I never forget that. Um, I can't forget it. Like I, and and the women who really I, I was kind of in a way like in, in ra- I would say raised in a sense like as a trans woman I was kind of like raised by sex workers. It was um, porn stars and escorts who first paid attention to me, who taught me how to do things. As a trans woman. As a trans woman. After you transitioned. Yeah, and my best friend is a porn star. Right. Um, So that that world is is very close to me, and they're who I I care about, and I owe a lot lot to them, and and through that lens, it was just getting to know marginalized women in general, marginalized people in general, and the kind of issues that that they face, and really feeling like I I owe them, and so wanting to honor their stories and and, and tell those stories, because they haven't been told before. And then I just said that uh, the things that keep me going is a sense of wonder, really. You yeah. Know, just 
always being aware of how short life is and how precious it is and how much beauty there is even even in, even when things are really bad I can usually tap into that that's great that's and a it, great thing to have because I struggle with that sometimes I'm not going to lie there are days where I, I can't see the nice place I have yeah. over my head or this cute dog or you know what I mean like where it's it's not always easy to, to tap into that. I think it's a practice. I think it's something you have to cultivate. You know, right. I, wake, I wake up every day thinking about what I'm grateful for. And right. I spend, like, upon waking, I spend time doing that. How and long have you been doing that? As long as I can remember. Really? Yeah, I don't remember the time when I... Through all the stuff, the, all the tough yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I've been meditating since I was 15. I mean... Great. It's just something I've... It's always been part of my life. Great. So that sense of gratitude and wonder is always there. It doesn't mean I'm always acting from a good place and I have right. long, dark periods and it can be very self-destructive. I'm not saying that that's not true, but it is tempered with a lot right. of wonder and gratitude and it's it's there. It's available. It's there when I need it. Great. Uh, how can people find out more about what you do? Uh, I, I'm big on Twitter. Like, I love Twitter. I love engaging. You love there. it. I really do. I don't do. love it. I don't have the gene. <laughs> I'm glad you do. I was an early adopter. Right. I've been there from the, from pretty nearly the beginning. I, those is like my fourth profile. So, uh, as my identity shifted over the years. Right. Uh, and, yeah, I love it. It's just, um, I think it's a writer's forum, too. It's, right. I think it's fun to try to figure out how to say something in 140 characters, how to have a story with a beginning, middle, and end. And, right. You know, make a point. I like Twitter rants and just the engagement. And a lot of my close friends I've met on Twitter. That's, like that's interesting. That's how I met them. That's you good. Know, hashtags allow us to find each other and engage in conversations and listen to people I wouldn't otherwise have access to. Right. And I think it's great for writers to hear dialogue and dialects and just the way that people phrase things and yeah. lingo. and I think, awesome. I think it's a great peek into another world. So uh, that's a good place to find me. But Jen is my handle everywhere. Right. My Facebook fan page, my Instagram, Tumblr, all of that. And then Her Story, you can find at herstoryshow.com or uh, on YouTube slash Her Story Show. I love it. All the six episodes are there. They're short. It's so delicious. You're going to go through it like that. I loved it. If you win the Emmy, do you get an actual trophy? No, I don't, actually. That's the producer. It's the producer. One, it's Kate. Kate will be the only one that actually gets a statue of their name on it. It's just the nature of... Sure, you can hold it. You can take it. It's all good. I think I found out we can actually order more statues if we want, so I'll probably get one. Yeah, you should. (laughs) I want to carry that around. Damn right. I'm sorry, we don't have any tables right now. I'm like, really? Do you have them for my friend Emmy? That's right. (laughs) I think that's a great way to end it. This has been great. Thank you so much, Jen. All right. Check out her story. Bye. Thanks again to Jen Richards. Check out her story online. And if you're an Emmy voter, vote for it. It'd be awesome if they won the Emmy. All right, so this happened. Um, I wrapped up my job that I had, my little six-week gig, on the TV show Botched Post-Op, which is a half-hour talk show that comes on after Botched, where the surgeons from Botched, Dr. Terry Dubrow and Dr. Paul Nassif, talk about the patients and the cases and... The show. It's like it's like Talking Dead for Botched. And it's hosted by Heather Dubrow, who is one of the Real Housewives of Orange County, who happens to be married to Dr. Terry Dubrow. Anyway, it was such a good gig. I loved it. So I want you all to watch it. It's um if you if you're on your TiVos, TiVo botched by nature, and then our show is the last half hour of that. They're very sneaky They make it it's they make it one show altogether. But um, it was a terrific gig. I loved the people I was working with. And I learned a lot about, like, plastic surgery. Things like, I, I've learned what pe- pectus escavatum is. And 
corpular contractions and things like that. And and the doctors are really great and they're really good at what they do and they really care about the patients and they really helped a lot of people. A lot of people that, that are on the show are people that were born with certain defects, birth defects, or one woman was struck by lightning and they, they're really like people that had given up hope that they could have anything done to help their conditions and the show and the doctors came in there and, and, and helped them and it was good. It, it felt good to be a part of something that was helping people. So anyway, and it's entertaining. They're funny. We came up with a lot of funny shtick for them and, and fun ways of, of um, editing the material together. So it was a great gig. I hope it comes back. I hope you watch it. If you want to watch it, TiVo in Botched by Nature, and it'll be the last half hour. Um, and now I'm looking for my next thing. So if anyone has any ideas about what I could do for a job, because I can't just do podcasts and play with my dog while doing podcasts, can I, Enzo? I can't. It's not a job. It's not a job. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.